is the three-point shot. And we're back. It's episode four of Three Point Shot. Zach with you alongside Colin to my right, Ben to my left. What's up, boys? How we doing? Uh, you know, we're, we're poorly. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching the Eagles game right now, for those of you who don't know, because we record on Sunday nights. And usually Sunday night football I don't have a vested rooting interest in, but tonight I do. And man, I really wish I did not. This is true NFC... Uh, if you don't like this game, you don't like NFC East football. We've got, I believe, three fumbles, an interception, several field goals, the first uh, NFL touchdown reception for uh, Jalen Rager, and Ben DiNucci, who is a man seemingly plucked out of nowhere, um, throwing sidearm throws <laughs> to no one in particular from his knees, pretending like he's Pat Mahomes. And play calling that looks like how I call Madden. Uh, so it is truly a display of what football should not be. Listen, we'll probably be done recording this. We'll be done recording before the game is over. So if you're listening, you know the result of this game. Who knows? Could end up being an all-time classic. If I were a betting man, though, which I am not, I would say that it will not be, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> three field goals and a touchdown are all we got in terms of points coming into the half. And... Uh, well, I'm not going to recap the game too much, but holy, holy cow, it is, it is some, some bad football. And that is, that is all I can say. And Ben, uh, the toothpick man in the apartment, how, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm just watching Colin watch all of that. That's my favorite part of all, all of this. Yeah, uh, we don't get uh, the local CBS games for the Patriots, obviously, because we're down here in Maryland. And Ben, did you get a chance to watch the game today or no? I watched most of it. So you streamed it. Uh, the Patriots lost. So I have no sympathy for them being two and five, right? Two and five. Two yeah. And four. Two and four. No, no two and five. five. I have no sympathy. It's week eight. I'm surprised the NFL made it this far. Right. Stay safe <laughs> out there. Wear your mask. I want to start off with Maryland football. Terps got a win. So I don't know if we mentioned this in the last podcast, but before every Maryland football game and some basketball games, the three of us will do a bold prediction. Um, ben, you want to talk a little more about like what we mean by that? Uh, so it's not just, like, who wins or, like, what the score is going to be. I mean, it can be. It's mostly, it's something I've done for a very long time. Uh, the, the place I really honed my bold prediction skills and, and made it a true art form and, and bordering on a sport in itself uh, was on the mean streets of Katuit with the Cavaliers. Shout out to the, uh, to the Seatown posse. Um... But pretty much you just take a wild stab in the dark and something's going to happen, like say there will be six turnovers or a true freshman will have 100 receiving yards uh, in his first career game or mine this week was somebody other than a quarterback will throw for a touchdown. So it's just sort of, it, it has to be bold and it has to be really more likely to be wrong. So that was Ben's bold prediction for the Maryland game. Collins was that Lance Lejean would take over his starting quarterback by halftime. Obviously, he was wrong. But my bold prediction this week was that Maryland football would win the game. And who yeah. was right, fellas? Well, that's not really in the spirit of bold predictions, but, but in terms of just regular predictions, yeah. Given what we saw against Northwestern, it was a bold prediction. And Maryland, I said it, I was calling the game on WMUC Sports, and... <laughs> Plug-in plug business daddy. <laughs> <laughs> it was very fun to be back, but it was fun to watch the first quarter, too, because the Terps scored three touchdowns on three pretty explosive plays. 
and they were up 21 to 7 at the end of the first and then until the fourth quarter looked lifeless and that's when i think you guys were back here started talking about that yeah this is kind of the terps team we know yeah uh i mean listen uh last week i came out very hard and very uh, <laughs> angry <laughs> Uh, maybe a little bit. I came out pretty hard and pretty angry against uh, Talia, um, and by extension, a little bit against Loxley. Um, and uh, our own resident genius Ben had brought up, um, seemingly just to be at the time, just to be um, a contrarian. But uh, I think his his greater point really kind of comes into show is that uh, I was completely wrong in that uh, Talia isn't the problem. And while I don't. I remember not particularly agreeing with every decision Loxley made. Um, for better or worse, uh, a lot of the decisions ended up working out for the team. But the defense is is really where the problem is. Defense looked, they looked flat. They looked bad. They looked like they were playing off coverage on deep throws. They looked like they were. They <laughs> yeah. They also cannot stop the run game. Muhammad Ibrahim is one of the top running backs in the Big Ten and in the country. But Rashad Bateman's one of the top wide receivers, and I think he got like four catches the whole night. So, like, the Terps did a good job covering routes, but when it came to the run game, it was just it was just awful. And Muhammad Ibrahim, too, a Maryland native, uh, found out after the game that uh, it was not him that got an offer because the running back they chose to offer instead was Jake Funk, who had a career night. Yeah, it's a real coming out party for, for Funk there. Um, we checked if he can play defense. <laughs> we so, so internally here among us, Jake Funk has definitely been a long time... Um, Kind of a meme. I feel like he's been on the roster. It's not even a meme, but like we. The man's last name is Funk. Yeah, yeah. Like, we don't need to defend ourselves. He was here. he was a meme, not in any point based on his play, but it was just he was buried behind all these other running backs on this roster. Ty yeah. Johnson, who's in the NFL now somewhere. Anthony McFarland, who is on and off the Steelers roster, and obviously Leak, who un- unfortunately um, did not find himself on a practice squad at the opening of the season, but. Leak looked stellar in a lot of his games for the Terps. And, you know, Funk was always just kind of the guy. He had a fun name, you know, so he was fun to root for. Um, but definitely, now that he's being trusted as kind of the number one back here, I think he's definitely having a coming out party. He's looked really good in both games. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a new career high. I think it, he totaled, like, his almost total career yards, like, matched it in one game against Minnesota. And look, you're going into Penn State next week against a Penn State team that needs to beat up on a Maryland team. So my expectations are low. It's nice to be one and one. And like I said, when I was there, I really wish there were fans there because it's our senior year. We have not gotten a good home football game except for the Texas game, but that was at FedEx, and I don't think you guys even went. The Syracuse game was good, but like that you you left for it, but Ben and I stayed. Um, Freshman year homecoming against Indiana. Right, that was a good game. Oh, in the the crossing guard uniforms. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hey, they were good uniforms. No, they were not. Um, I like. We wore the the script terps homecoming uniforms. Those were were pristine. We wore the we wore the hyper throwbacks that kind of looked like the uh, Steelers B jerseys. Yeah, the only reason I defended those was because my parents were there and they didn't, and my mom didn't like them, and so I was like, well, now I have to be a representative. But it was a it was a late afternoon start, so by the time we were coming into the game, the sun had already set. It was homecoming, energy was up. It was a tight game, but it wasn't one of those tight games where it looks like neither team wants to win. It was a very good back and forth game, and the Terps ended up coming out on top. I think in a walk off. Uh, I still argue that if there were fans, and it was a Friday night game, which if there were fans, it wouldn't have been. 
uh, and we won that game, it would have been the best game that we've seen in uh, in college from the Terps football team. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. definitely. And it hurt, but it was nice for them to get a win. You feel good because the guys who played well are the guys who needed it. Uh, Tonga Vailoa, who was awesome, uh, threw for over 400 yards, or had 400, over 400 total yards, I should say. He ran a lot. Deceptively, yeah. deceptively. I, I did not... I definitely remembered coming into that game, really, my big proponent for starting Lejean over Talia coming into that game was that Lejean definitely has that proven mobility. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely in the game, Talia, especially on a couple of bootlegs, dodging sacks in the backfield, uh, he's he managed to make a lot out of a little sometimes with his legs, which is something I, I did not know was really as big a facet of his game. Yeah. Like, he was listed dual threat. I don't know if he knew that either, but I mean, <laughs> Loxley definitely did. Loxley, remember we were talking earlier in the week, when Loxley in the Monday press conference was like, yeah, I'm sticking with Tonga Vailoa, you were like, why? And then he he all week was hyping him up like he's going to be good. And, I mean, he showed up for his coach, and his coach showed his faith in him. So that really wins you back with the fans. And then with the performance his brother had today, I mean, the Dolphins, Colin, you and I were talking about it. Not a great performance. Not a great performance, but a winning performance from the Dolphins. So it was just good to have it. Also, like, everyone who, like, needed a feel-good game got it. Tungavailoa, Funk, and Jay Sean Jones too was was really good. So. I, I can I can dispute that by saying I'm not having a good feel good game, Zach. I <laughs> I might not be uh, on the roster, but a couple of weeks ago it felt like any day they were going to start pulling guys from the stands by like like Invincible. I was I was ready to take the train home and suit up for the boys. I ain't played a snap of football in my life, but I was ready to give it a shot there. Are we really an Invincible with Vince Papel? <laughs> podcast uh, um, i feel like we've mentioned him on like three of the four of these we've done so oh i gotta mention my dad then uh so <laughs> so i brought up vince papali and because my dad says that i take a shot at him in every single po- uh podcast and i he's do right and he's he's factually correct but now that he's pointed it out to me i feel obligated to do it so um i would like to offer a slight Retraction on my uh, my statements made uh, during our yeah uh, during our initial podcast where I described my my father's interactions with the uh, the great Vince Papali. Um, apparently, again, I was not present for the interactions, but Vince Papali was an incredibly nice and incredibly down to earth man. I did not mean to in any way claim that he was rude or unprofessional with my father. Um, it was simply a statement my dad had made, likely exaggerating the events to a slight, uh, to a slight amount, um, about the air in which Mr. Papali carried himself. Uh, Is this just a cycle of <laughs> you bringing up your dad, apologizing for what you said about him the week before, and then saying something new about him, so then he calls you the next day and says, hey, <laughs> why'd you say this? You have to apologize next time. Uh, I would say that would require me to talk to my dad more often than I- <laughs> I love him. I don't call home enough, honestly. And we'll be back after this commercial break. <laughs> no, I love my family. I don't call home enough. It's I try not to talk sports too, too much with my parents when I call home, especially, which is why I... Because my mom, you know, also love her to bits. Not a huge sports fan. Uh, and my dad, I'm famously long-winded, as I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast would know. So my dad and I uh, can go round and round and round about sports. Uh, and my mom... Uh, Cannot keep up, so we try and keep it, uh, when I do the family calls home, we try and keep sports uh, to a minimum. So, I don't actually have any terrible sports takes for my father, just simply the uh, the retraction. Um, <laughs> other than that, uh, that's that's it for the Collins' dad segment of today's podcast. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I think we're also done with Maryland football. I mean, Ben, do you have any last thoughts on the game? I mean, Penn State, like I said, expectations low, but Terps can pull off a surprise and score a touchdown. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't gamble, but I would love us to cover just so SVP has something to talk about with some pride. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my big – I'm not making any predictions here or anything, but you got a, a Maryland team who you'd think would kind of be riding high coming off this big win uh, against Minnesota – and a Penn State team that might genuinely be the lowest it's been in uh, in a couple of years now. Um, unranked, uh, just have gotten beaten up. Granted, you know, Ohio State's a really, really good team, but they're coming off a pretty aggressive beatdown. Um, I don't think Maryland's going to win. I want to make that clear. But I think Maryland can make it much more of a football game than I thought it would be coming into the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll see where it goes. I don't think we're going to win the Big Ten championship. I think it would be really cool... If for that Big Ten Champions Week, where like you know the the first place plays first place, second place second, yeah. if we didn't like finish last in the East, if we kind of left that for Rutgers and that week tw- that week eight matchup against them was kind of like loser gets last. So <laughs> who's it gonna be? Well, it, so I know we're kind of moving away from the actual game, but um, while we're talking to Rutgers, Penn State, and Maryland here, I, I was talking with Ben the other day. Um, when it comes to Big Ten rivalries, Maryland is kind of we're kind of a little too young to have. We any don't of these. have one. Yeah. yeah, they keep trying to put us up as though like Penn State's our big rival, and I know we've had some beef with Penn State before. The fan sections haven't gotten along. The players haven't particularly gotten along. But I was saying to Ben, and I don't really understand why they haven't, outside of maybe it wouldn't look good to pit the new kids against one another. Why on earth have Maryland Rutgers never been? brought up as this big rivalry. They come in together. They're both at relatively similar levels of play. I think that would be a great rivalry to start hyping up Especially in the with Greg Schiano, like, back for them. That could be really cool. It's just that both teams are so bad. Like, I don't know. So, also, though, you have to think about it. Penn State doesn't have a huge number one rival because in, in the Big Ten, you're stuck with Ohio State and Michigan being the biggest rivals, which leaves Michigan State without one. And then, because Michigan State's biggest rival is also Michigan, but Michigan's biggest rival is Ohio State. Yeah. Penn State doesn't really have one. They think they're rivals. Yeah, Ohio you've State. got you've got Iowa, Nebraska, which is an easy one. You've got Wisconsin, Illinois. Wisconsin, Minnesota. Wisconsin, Minnesota. What I meant, and then Illinois, Northwestern. Um, Indiana, Purdue. Yeah, exactly. But Minnesota, Michigan is a good one. But then you've got, like you said, Colin, that trio of Maryland, Rutgers, Penn State. That it really is tough to fit. I think rivalry week this year, we were actually supposed to play. Either Mich- Michigan State, it was last year. The previous two years, it was Penn State. This year, it was supposed to be Rutgers or Michigan State. Yeah, now, I mean, this I year, just, there's no rivalry. Week. I just think you got to stop trying to make... Um, listen, Maryland is not a team that's ready to compete with these big dogs yet. And, you know, college football, building a program is slow. It's deliberate. you got to be bad. Then you got to be mediocre. And then eventually, you can be good. But um, when you look at these two football cro- programs, I'd imagine, like... And obviously we're talking many, many, many years down the line, but if Rutgers and Maryland both continue getting better as time goes on, as you'd expect teams to do once they join the Big Ten, I think if you start sowing the seeds now for this Maryland-Rutgers rivalry, it could actually be something significant down the line. I'm not talking anything on the level of Ohio State-Michigan, but um, you know, two teams in the Big Ten East that kind of don't like each other and kind of historically have never liked each other came in together, were both kind of kind of a, a punching bag for everybody else in the Big Ten. We both kind of suck at football. I think it'd be it'd be fun to see who gets to win the Big Ten East trash mountain. And these two <laughs> teams kind of duke it out, you know, and you could 
it, I mean, maybe the Big Ten East is going for more of an NFC East kind of vibe where everyone hates one another and there's not like set these two teams hate each other. And it's just, there's a high level of animosity between everybody here. But um, it's interesting the way, at least, my thesis, it's interesting the way the Big Ten has uh, promoted rivalries. And then I don't understand why they think like Maryland is going to call Penn State a rival and then go get their teeth kicked in. Like, Well, I mean, if you want to... Uh... If you want to get into rivalries and old rivalries and, and kind of going away from the Big Ten here, they announced the matchups for the basketball Big Ten ACC Challenge this week. And once again, Mike Krzyzewski refused to schedule Maryland is what we're going to keep telling ourselves. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, we drew Clemson, which, like, I don't care. When we played Virginia, that was so cool. That was fun. Is this Duke, I assume? Yeah, it yeah. okay. uh, was what we were talking about in the Big Ten ACC Challenge for basketball. We're playing Clemson. Duke is playing with Illinois. Big Ten ACC for the women's side. The men's side, it's December 9th. Ah. So, mm. yeah, that's why I'm just like, uh, I'm not upset, but like Maryland and Duke have not matched up since we came to the Big Ten. And well, a lot of like people. shouldn't have come to the Big Ten. A lot of people say that. Uh, that it's because Coach K doesn't want to play us. I mean, who cares? Duke's biggest rival is North Carolina. Yeah. But their second biggest rival for all that time was Maryland. Now nobody cares about us anymore at Duke. But, it, I mean, I just thought that it would have been nice for one of our years in college to see a Maryland-Duke matchup in something significant, and yeah, we're not I getting mean, it. You know, I, as far as basketball goes, it's just kind of a shame um, that March Madness kind of – the state of the world occurred – Due to March Madness, because the Maryland basketball, and I, I like I say, everybody dogs on Maryland football because they they're not very good, um, and historically haven't been particularly great. At least recently, they they have won a national championship back during Scarlet Fever. Uh, but um, son of a gun. Uh, sorry. Is that a goal line interception? Well, it was a long bomb that our receiver uh, just missed, and it landed in. Of course, it was him. But um, my apologies. Uh, that Maryland is really good at pretty much every other sport, and it's a shame that um, Maryland really hasn't been able to do much. And f as far as the tournament comes, when they've had their best team, kind of at the very least in our four years, we'll likely have had the best team and really do some damage in the tournament and really kind of make a name for themselves, at least in the basketball stage in the, in the previous decade now. But, <laughs> you um, know. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too much into basketball yet because I honestly haven't done a ton of research on the team. Um, I mean, well, it's going to... We wouldn't want to come across as uninformed, would we? Yes, we would. Anyway, um, what I want to talk about now, uh, if you guys are done with sports... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, listen, Halloween is over. It is. It was yesterday, and this is effectively a holiday season apartment now, because we're not a Christmas apartment. Um, we're a Christmas apartment. We're in every holiday apartment, but Ben and I don't celebrate Christmas at our home, so we get a chance to do it here. Let it be known that I would uh, sing a Christmas carol, but I'm not sure which ones are public domain and which aren't, <laughs> so I'm not going to gamble. But So what that, is... I think none of the good ones are What is... Though. I don't want to do any of this ranking stuff. What is the number one best Halloween candy? You go to a house... You, they've got a bowl, and you can pick one, and all the candies are in there. What are you picking? Give me a Snickers. Easy. Easy, easy, easy. It's it's only a tough call if there's 
a, a the two pack of Reese's peanut butter. Like we're talking big candy bars, right? We're not talking the the small ones. This we're talking this is fancy. anything. I mean, anything that want is in that anything world. they make big, they also yeah, make. Small. Okay, so yeah. So I'm I'm assuming we're talking the full size bars. So if you give me the oh, option, were you a full size house growing up? No, oh, God okay. no. Did you have? Did you know where the full size houses were though? I did not. I, oh, see, well, the issue is I didn't trick or treat my own neighborhood a lot when I was a kid. Uh. I would go to my cousins. My cousins lived in a <clears throat> they lived in a more affluent neighborhood uh, than we did. So the whole family would Where? get together. New Massachusetts. <laughs> the whole family would get together, and we would uh, zip out to their um, to their place, and we get the we get the big boy candy and the big spooky houses. Uh, and also, uh, when I was younger and when I was in my my trick or treating days, um, I moved into my neighborhood pretty early. So it was a lot of elderly population that didn't participate in uh, Halloween. Monsters. Um, well, I, I wouldn't want to if I'm I'm sixty retired. Uh, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to give away candy now. Yeah, it's so I I not hold, but we would go to a, a different neighborhood, and then we go to my other aunt's house. So no, I never really picked up where the good candy was and where the good candy was. Answer the question. I, ah, you oh, you did. You I Snickers. did, and then Answer you answered why. Where's the why? Why? He's yes. getting this. Why my Snickers? F- it's my favorite. <laughs> why are you so mad? Like, you asked the clarifying question, and I gave you an honest answer, Zachary. <laughs> He's getting into the harrowing tale of his childhood. You don't get to ask about <laughs> Did you know where the big candy was? No, and then you turned the big cop lamp on him. Why? What are you hiding from me? Why don't you know where the big candy is? Why Snickers, huh? <laughs> You like nuts? Are you going to plead insanity? I'm not getting out of here that easy. I like peanuts and chocolate and I believe caramel and nougat, and I enjoyed them all together. Everybody loves nougat. I don't know what nougat is. It's from the Latin for everybody. I just rubbed my eyes so hard I'm seeing spots. Uh, (laughs) Mine is Nestle Crunch Bar because it's good. Ben? You have the wrong opinion, Zach. I'm not getting into a fight about it. (laughs) Not getting into a fight about it unless someone had such a controversial opinion. Nestle Crunch, best candy? No. Underrated candy? Yes. Okay. Um, For me, I'd I'd probably just go a standard Kit Kat, although if I could choose a specific piece of candy from a specific place, it would be the Tootsie Roll that my brother gave me that he got at Jason Veritek's house. Cool. That is, that is an incredible. Did he did he autograph it? No. Ah, he, didn't, he, he didn't even cut the. Did book. he autograph your brother? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, oh, that's good to talk about. Best like coolest autograph you have. Coolest autograph I have. Okay. Um, that either you got yourself or is just in your family's. No, I'll do maybe not the coolest single autograph I have, but the story is better than anything. So um. Unfortunately, they they are no longer a thing. They have since gone out of business. But uh, I believe any local local Philadelphia metropolitan area uh, listeners will know of a particular uh, sports chain, sports apparel chain. They sell equipment and everything. Models. Um, uh, Models would have every now and then they'd have um, like athletes pop in and do uh, signings or whatever. So I was young. It was Martin Luther King Jr. Day because I had the day off school, but it was a Monday. And it was cold as all get out. I'm talking stupid cold. But I go there just for whatever. I'm going for shin pads for my minor soccer whatever. But we happen to be there and we see a sign on the door that's like Danny Briere is doing autographs at, a, at this Models today. Um, and they had like a – like you could – purchase ahead of time and you would get this like a four 
fronted in the line, but they were saying, it's like, yeah, you could line up and maybe you'll get an autograph, but we didn't know. So my dad, my brother and I, and eventually it would get too cold. My brother was like five or six at the time. So he had to, he had to get picked up by my grandparents because he was not doing well in the cold. But my dad and I sit out in this freezing cold, burn an entire day. I'm talking, it's like two or three in the afternoon. The sun has set and has set for a while by the time we finally get inside. And it turns out, we find out later, is that anybody who paid ahead of time would get like a photo with Danny Briere, you get a signed autograph, blah, blah, blah. And he was only supposed to go for so long. But after a certain amount of time, there were still so many people that were in the line because the models didn't like cut the line off at any point. And they were like, hey, his, apparently his agent was like, hey, let's, let's get out of here. And Danny was like, well, hang on. No, no, no. Everybody's out there waiting in the cold. I want to give these people autographs. So they were just like, all right, we're done taking the pictures. Cut the line off now. Danny's going to stay extra time and he's going to sign everybody. And I, I managed to get this autograph for waiting. And it was just a really kind of cool moment that, the, nice. that like an athlete was like, no, all these people are waiting out there. It's freezing out there. I'll at least write my name on a hat for him. So that was a really cool story. Um, ben, I feel like you, you have a lot of like cool autographs and whatnot. No, not really. I've never been a huge... The only cool autograph I've ever gotten... There are some in my house that I got, like, my cousin uh, gave me and my brother. It was a signed, like, Barry Sanders picture that was all nicely framed. Um, the only one... And we have a signed Bobby Orr photo somewhere. Um, but the only one that I got was I once went and uh, I got an autograph when I was, like, eight or nine from Andre Tippett, who's a Hall of Fame linebacker for the Patriots, and also like a six-degree black belt. Terrifying, man. Uh, and I came up, I remember because I came up with the little pictures they were handing out at the place, and I asked him, and I like handed it to him. I didn't need to ask for an autograph. He knew why he was there. <laughs> um, but I asked him, uh, so I was like nine, and I was just starting to get really into like the history of the Patriots. So I went, did you play in the Super Bowl against the Bears? And he went, kid, why you got to bring up the Super Bowl against the Bears? <laughs> and then I got home and I told that story to my dad because I was there with my mom and he was like, yeah, he's he's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't have any good stories. I was never the one to like go like seek out like a signing or something like that. Like I never did. But my grandfather has some really cool memorabilia that he's since like given to my dad and me like we keep in our house. So in my... Next to a signed baseball of the same man is a picture of my grandpa with uh, with Phil Rizzuto, uh, which is yeah Scooter. Uh, holy cow! Great nickname. Yeah, so uh, one of the only baseball players in history to be as good a broadcaster as he was a baseball player. Um, I mean, there are a lot who were better. Bob Euchre was better. Yeah, but Phil Rizzuto is a Hall of Fame in each. That is true. Like he's a Hall of Fame baseball player and a Hall of Fame that, broadcaster. My grandfather actually has and. We've had, like, multiple times where we've been going through, like, Baseball Almanac and stuff. He has a baseball that is signed by, like, all of the members of one of the Dodger teams from the mid-1950s. Um, and we have yet to be able to identify which team it is. I like to just say it's the 55 Dodgers because they were the best ones. <laughs> and also, who's going to fact-check me on that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're speaking of baseball. The World Series ended since our last podcast. Um, the Dodgers won in six, which was Colin's prediction, right? It was. Yes, it was. Uh, I did not get the uh, the World Series MVP correct. I had guessed Bellinger. It went to Seager. Well-deserved. Uh, congratulations, Clark. G 
good to see a Terp. Yeah, Terp. Good to see a Terp win it. And Lau um, had a good series. So. Yeah, listen, Lau finally what turned it on. Homers? Three homers? Three, I think. Three. Lau finally turned it on when his team needed it. Um, but Not enough, but still. Well, you know, you can only ask one man to do so much at a certain point. Uh, it really did look like the, the Rays had kind of run out of gas coming into the end there. Uh, put up a good fight, but, um, you know, you can only ask a team with, you know, Bellinger and Betts and Kershaw and more names that I could list. I'm sorry, Ben. Uh, you can only you can only expect that team to uh, to give you so much yardage. Eventually, they're going to get one. And uh, this, I think this is the best Dodgers team we've seen in the past couple of years. And well, that was my thing is they've been so good for so long. Eight straight division titles. You've got to get a World Series out of that. And then someone, I made the joke when the Yankees lost. They got a fake season anyway. But then uh, I think it was John Boy even made the point. Like, does this World Series count? The Dodgers won the same World Series that the 29 other teams lost. Yeah. So, it does count. Yeah. It's I mean, just it was, a different year. It's my old argument before, you know, when COVID first happened and all these sports leagues were talking about coming back, I had had the argument with, with my dad and my grandfather and everybody um, about whether or not this championship has an asterisk on it. And I was like, well, maybe it will, maybe it doesn't. But at the end of the day, uh, if they do it, somebody's going to win it. So would you rather win it or not win it? Um, and that's the thing. They had the World Series. So the Dodgers won the World Series. The season was entirely within the COVID precautions. You know, there were a couple of hiccups that maybe cost a couple of teams, a couple of different games. Also, but did we talk about this? Nothing from the Justin Turner thing. Like Justin Turner, we found out, tested positive and then was celebrating on the field. We have not heard if anyone else tested positive. We haven't heard if his test was like if he's like yeah, because the base because the major league baseball um, definitely has a long standing history of punishing people for egregious acts. Helmet came off. Right, it's okay. Yeah, because major league baseball definitely has a long standing history of appropriately punishing people for egregious acts of uh, uh, misconduct. <laughs> if you can't tell at home, I'm being sarcastic because. The Houston Astros were punished less for actively cheating to win a championship than the Arizona Coyotes of the NHL were punished for cheating during the combine by taking illegal measurements of the prospects. They had been stripped of more picks and more valuable picks in a league than the Astros were in the MLB cheating throughout an entire 162-game season and very likely the ensuing playoffs. So, yeah, not uh, not great. And then AJ <laughs> Hintz gets a job with the Tigers this week, too. Not a fan of that. Very not a fan of that. A lot more deserving guys. Tony La Russa gets a job with the White Sox. Not a fan of that. A lot more deserving guys, and just because Tony La Russa is very old school, which is not something that this White Sox team needs well, right now. With Larusa, I kind of agree with you, but as far as Hinch goes, uh, more deserving guy. Hinch is a heck of a manager. Um, he yeah. cheated. He che don't get me wrong. He cheated. But if baseball is going to let you hire the man that cheated, um, he's pretty good at his job. Like as far as it comes for the Tigers, you know, 
really all it means is that Hinch is going to cheat the Tigers to a World Series and they're going to still lose. And then it's going to turn out that three of the four starting pitchers they had are going to be Hall of Famers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, hold on. Watching this play. Oh, Hertz is in. You think that was just a Hertz play or are they just letting him go now? Oh, I pray to God it was a Hertz play. I don't want to read Reddit if they are just putting <laughs> Hertz in over Wentz. Uh, <laughs> Why at this point? Uh, well, for one, it's the toxicity of the fan base is just kind of too much to handle. Listen, I mean, because of Reddit, but just like, why not go with Why not Hertz go now? with Hertz? Um, you know, it's a tough call, but I think honestly, Wentz... So when it comes to, if you're genuinely asking my actual uh, analysis of Wentz, I think all of Wentz's problems come down to one simple solution. You can point it to mechanical issues, you can point it to X, Y, and Z... But I think his big thing is he just plays too much hero ball. Mm -hmm. He wants to make the big play every play. He wants to be the guy that in 2017 came in and was the leading MVP candidate before he went down with the injury. And you can kind of see it in his psyche. He goes for the big plays. He doesn't throw it away because he's holding on too long because he's waiting for something to happen downfield. Um, I think he's a B average, maybe B plus on a good day quarterback. I don't think he's the elite quarterback maybe everybody thought he could be in 2017. I think he's a decent starter. I think he's a good franchise quarterback. But I think somebody has to get into his head and tell him that you got to start at some point making the smarter quarterback play for the team. At a certain point, it's not about to hit. You don't got to hit a home run in every at-bat. You, you don't. And he keeps trying to, and that's why he's getting these bad picks. He's getting fumbles because he's getting blasted in his own end. It's Yeah, I mean, I don't watch that much Eagles football. I just, you know, watch when we play each other and when, when you're on. Um, but I want to transition here. I actually got a cool idea for something we could talk about here. What? Who is your favorite NFL player that's not on your team? And I, I was, as I was thinking about this just now, I was like, I don't even know if my favorite NFL player is on my team. <laughs> it is. I mean, I got to go with Saquon for right now. But I have a new one as of today because I was thinking about it earlier today. It always used to be Russell Wilson for me for the past couple of years because not only is he awesome, he's also, you know, his team's good. He leads them. And he's also technically at one point a New York Yankee. So, But it was always Russell Wilson. And actually after today, it is uh, also Seattle Seahawk. It's DK Metcalf is my favorite non-New York Giant in the NFL. That uh, guy can ball. I'll actually do... Um, so it's easy to talk about a lot of guys that are fun to watch, but if we're talking about a guy I've always like actively yeah. really rooted for to yeah. succeed, it's it might, be, um, it might be controversial, but Matt Stafford, honestly. I think Matt Stafford has been a top 10 QB in the league for a lot of his career. It's just the Lions have been abysmal. So he is a guy I've always, always rooted for. I really want him to succeed. I watch more Lions games than I should. Um, and I can't really understand what Lions fans are going through. But, oh, my God, are they bad. And have been <laughs> bad for a very long time. <laughs> exactly. And Ben, yours is Tom Brady. So moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he doesn't count. Yeah, but <laughs> For somebody with no Patriots connections, it's Khalil Mack, and I shouldn't have to explain it. Yeah. The man's an absolute monster. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> as I said that, so I was like, wait, Ben's going to try and pull Tom Brady here. I wasn't, actually. I was just going to go directly to Khalil Mack. All right, all right. I on tried the assumption to... that we don't talk about Tom Brady on this podcast because we don't want Ben to weep. Okay, well, we are not, uh, uh, we are not a uh, jokes podcast. We are a sports podcast that just happens to have a lot of funny moments. 
like talking about big candy bars in Colin's history <laughs> walking around on Halloween night. Anyway. In exclusively affluent neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, Carson Wentz, big run. He does that sometimes. Yeah. That's the hero ball, though, that you don't like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's the guy you like, it's the guy you hate. It's when it works, it's great. When it doesn't, it's terrible. It's, uh, let's see. When, when hero ball works, he's... He's turning practice. Travis Fulgham with a touchdown catch. I just picked him up in fantasy. Let's go. <laughs> I've been telling you to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when Wentz plays hero ball, I mean, it's the same thing that happens when anybody plays hero ball, right? It's it, What separates the franchise quarterbacks from the elite quarterbacks are when you're doing that and when you're doing that kind of thing, when to cut bait and when to really go for it. A lot of the times I think it's, you know... I don't think they're in any way comparable, but when you look at a guy like Rodgers and you look at a guy like Wentz, when Rodgers goes out to play hero ball, he knows there's nobody open. I'll throw it away. I'll take the. I'll take a check down. I'll. I'll run it out of bounds. Whatever. Wentz seems to. He'll roll out and he'll hold the ball. Nobody's open. He'll see the defender coming at him, and he'll still hold on, praying somebody will get open. And it's that is really kind of the big thing. I've I've read there's mechanical issues there's blah 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 but if if you really take a look at it also wait they're going for two why does this team only oh they got it they got it so why do I they don't, only go for two is Jake Elliott not on the roster <laughs> he is on the roster but he, honestly he hasn't been doing great I really feel like me getting his autograph was kind of the sign of death for Jake Elliott well actually now two field goals is just a tie game so I guess yeah. it helps there. 15-9 has got to be a scoregami, too. I'm yeah. going to look that up. No, I can't imagine it's a scoregami. It seems too easy for it to be it a scoregami. Five field goals to three field goals. There's no way it is. All right. I think sure most scoregamis have to do with four points. I'm pretty sure I've watched games that have ended 15-9. Or two points. There have been two games in NFL history that have ended. When, when were they? Oh, wait, no. Sorry, 15-9. Hold on. Yeah. This is really great radio, guys. There have been three games in NFL history that have ended 15-9. Here we go. Uh, September 24th, 1978, when the Steelers beat the Browns. Probably didn't watch that one. November 7th, 1983, when the Lions beat the Giants. I think I was busy. And September 12th, 2010, when the Steelers beat the Falcons. That one I just wasn't paying attention. I Uh, (laughs) I don't think I watched a single one of those games because I was... Negative, negative, and 10, respectively. Uh, and when I was 10 years old, there were much more important things to me than what the Steelers and Falcons were going to do that Sunday. There were actually probably only three or four things more important to me at that point. So. I was probably focusing on trying to figure out how to write cursive Fs. Still confused me to I was this about day. To say, did you figure it out? Nope, not uh, really. Um, uh, what is the pop quiz for you guys? What's the largest margin of victory in an NFL game in history? 30 points. 73 points. 73 points. Ben got it right. Well, on, that, was, that was not a guess. On, uh, I, I know who was playing. It too. was December 8th, 1940. The Bears beat the Washington football team. Uh, 73. They did not beat the Washington football team, actually, Zach. That is true. The artist now <laughs> known as the Washington <laughs> The artist formerly that, known as. That, ga- that game, uh, 
supplier of one of the greatest quotes of all time of when somebody asked one of the Washington players what how the game would have been different if they had converted an early scoring opportunity. He said, well, then it would have been 73-7. to seven. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, I guess so. So we've got a couple minutes here winding down. It is time for the only recurring segment we have on this show, which is our No More Jobs of the Week, which is someone who just didn't do their job Someone who, I, I don't want to say someone who should lose their job, but someone who just did not do what they were supposed to do. I'll go first. I told you guys uh, beforehand. I'm going with Brock Walker, who is, uh, was Minnesota's kicker this week. Their, their regular kicker was out due to COVID. Hope he's doing okay. But Brock Walker just needed to make a college football extra point to send the game to a second overtime, and he missed. And Maryland won, which was good for, for Maryland fans uh, and for, for uh, us. But Brock Walker missed it, and he is now a Maryland hero, I guess you also, could say. Also, he he it was the first overtime. He had a maximum of one kick left after that. Because after the second yeah. overtime, or I guess you can kick field goals after that. But yeah, like that but you exchanged two point tries after the fifth. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's mine. I mean, not really too highly contested. Uh, we'll see if he's the kicker next week. Yeah, Colin. I mean, if he's a backup, I wouldn't expect it. But uh, my No More Jobs of the Week, it's going to go to uh, the, the great Kevin Cash. Uh, put together a ridiculous run to the World Series. Absolutely just a masterclass of baseball management. And then he gets to an elimination game in the World Series and he just decides, yeah, my pitcher's rolling. He's he's struck out every... He is not allowed a hit to the top three guys in the Dodgers order. And purely because we're coming around to the top of the order, I'm going to yank him. Uh, and Mookie Betts made him pay right away for that decision. I believe there was a walk and then a double to put the bases on two and three, and then the whole game kind of got away from him from there. So, you know, it's especially sad when you, you watch the Yankees overmanaging when you yank the pitcher uh, in the series before, or two series yeah. before. Um, and then you do you make the exact same mistake, you know. I don't think he should lose his job, uh, but... Uh, when we're talking about a guy who made a huge mistake at the one job he has, I wouldn't yank Snell there. Uh, and I think going back in time, Cash probably wouldn't yank Snell there either, seeing how that worked out. So uh, Yeah, and uh, I mean, I agree with you there. It was a very hotly contested decision. I mean, there is an eye test still to Major League Baseball, and Snell was passing it with flying colors. Not to say what would have happened. It was a very tight game at the time, but it just didn't work out. Uh, ben, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go well off the beaten path here. Uh, I'm going to go with Gilberto Mendoza Jr., the current president of the World Boxing Association, uh, just because I've been very frustrated over the last few weeks because there's been a lot of good boxing stuff, a lot of things coming uh, up with fights for belts, for unifications, for things like that. Um, but at this point, way too many fights have some sort of person coming in claiming to be a champion. There are 37 guys who can call themselves a <laughs> WBA champion. There are 17 weight classes. There are three of 17 weight classes where the WBA, one of four major sanctioning bodies, has one champion. Like, it's silly. Each division should have one champion. There's no, like, right, like, they have the heavyweights, the premier division of boxing, the WBA has Anthony Joshua, who is a super champion. Manuel Char, who is just the champion, I guess. And Trevor Bryan, who is the interim champion, despite the fact that he apparently gained that distinction in August of 2018. 
How are you an interim if you've held the position? I have no idea, Colin. That's my point. Uh, and I get that it's boxing and everything's corrupt and everything is done. So the people who are running it, the matchmakers and the well, promoters and stuff. PBA sponsorship. Yeah. Make, <laughs> make, make more money. But see, like just for like not even the integrity of the sport, because that's sort of a silly phrase to use with boxing. But just for like the spirit of competition, just to have like when you have a fight like the one me and when me and Colin watched like Lomachenko and Lopez together. I remember, like, I was talking with Colin, and I was texting with my brother, and I was like, this is sort of a fight to be the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. And you were both like, how is it sort of that? Yeah. And I was like, well, because one of them is a franchise champion, and that's technically non-transferable, and there's no... So it's just stupid. So, like, I get that guys don't want to, like, if they have a belt, guys... But also, I was about to say that they wouldn't want to give it their belt, but hopefully they would want to actually, like win a real one yeah. like hopefully you wouldn't want to be like okay this guy got elevated to super champion so now i'm the wba heavyweight champion of the world it's like no i want to fight this guy and if i beat him then i am the champion as opposed to a champion I mean, it's dumb it's all scripted anyway they should go to real fights like wwe or something how dare you no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, honestly it's it's more scripted than we'd like it to be i'm, I'm pretty sure that if, if the, i mean some of the scorecards in some of the fights I've watched this year, it's sometimes really, really, like, more absurd than any storyline on WWE. Uh, I'd like to do one quick throwback to an old segment. Uh, Week one, uh, we decided we were going to talk about weird sports that you might not watch normally. Uh, And this week, I would like to give a healthy shout-out to uh, uh, (laughs) the PBA... The Professional Bull Riding Association. Oh, I never say bowling. <laughs> no, bowling is also super fun to watch if you can get into it. Mookie but, Betts um, is a bowler. Chris Prather, the shark. The shark. We rep the shark here. Um, anyway, bull riding. Professional Bull Riding Association. I left CBS football on too long one day, and <laughs> Professional Bull Riding came on. And let me tell you, that stuff is ridiculous, and it is also very fun. Uh, I wouldn't recommend getting into it, but I would recommend turning it on on a lazy Sunday afternoon. Let me tell you, professional. You ever heard of mutton busting? I have. What on earth have you just said? <laughs> it's, it's it's like rodeo for uh, for children. They ride sheep. They ride sheep. Well, that sounds far less dangerous than professional bull riding. Well, clearly, you're hanging out around very tame sheep. <laughs> Alright, you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? <laughs> I haven't had any thoughts this whole time The Eagles are winning now And Travis Fulgham is the greatest wide receiver To ever grace the NFL okay. Stay tuned uh, for how that goes You'll know by the time you listen For Colin and Ben, I've been Zach We'll be back next week with another episode Keep listening, keep sharing, tell your friends uh, See you.